Hello, my friends. Today, I'm going to do my best to outline the four ways Justin Trudeau is coming to censor you. The four bills stacked up like dominoes, one after the other, that he intends to, to bring in to silence and censor you. Bill C-11, C-18, C-36, and the Online Harms Act. That sounds like a lot of legal jargon. I'll do my best to explain it. And if you watch it, and it's a half an hour long, I'll take you through the laws and I'll show you how Trudeau is colonizing what was once a very free place, the internet. Anyways, uh, let me know what you think of it because I, I really think this is going to be the battle of the year for us. Uh, before I, I, I get to the podcast, let me invite you to get the video version of this show. And especially when I'm walking you through the legislation and showing you things, I want you to see it with your eyes so you know I'm not just making this up, pulling it out of my hat. I want to show you that I'm literally quoting from government websites, government documents. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is the real deal. So get the video version of these podcasts. Go to rebelnewsplus.com. Click the subscribe button. It's eight bucks a month, which I think is a bargain. Frankly, I think it's too cheap. And you will get the video version of my show every night. And eight bucks might not sound like a lot of dough, but to us, it really adds up when a lot of people do it. So please subscribe, not just because you get the great video, but because we rely on it to pay our staff. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, I have a message for Canada's friends around the world. We are now the most dangerous place for freedom of speech, and we need help. It's April 6th, and you're watching The Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. I'm afraid that Canada is now the most dangerous place in the world for freedom of speech. Look at this insane press conference just this week from the provincial legislature in Ontario. This new legislation in Ontario is designed to keep the 2S LGBT community safe. Drag artists, their audiences, the business and the facilities that host those drag performances have been put at risk. And unless we put forward a strategy to protect them, Ontario's social, economic and cultural richness is under attack. We have to protect that. The proposed legislation does two things and I will go through them. Firstly, it enables the Attorney General to create a 2S LGBTQI plus community safety zone to prohibit within 100 meters of the property any homophobic, transphobic act of intimidation, threat, offensive threats, offensive remarks, protest, disturbance, and distribution of hate propaganda within the meaning of the uh, criminal code. It also comes with it a penalty of $25,000 if prosecuted successfully. Secondly, the Act creates an Ontario 2S LGBTQI plus safety advisory committee to provide recommendations to the provincial government on how to improve safety for our community and to prevent further hate. We need to be able to have the government publish an annual report and an update on the progress of this work. It is that critically important. Our community is scared, but we're not going to take it lying down. We're going to stand up and rise up where we can to fight back as we have to. Everything is on the line and we need government action to be much more visible, much louder. Doing nothing, saying nothing is simply not good enough. This private member's bill is supported by many prominent drag artists 
not just in Canada, but I suspect that it will be supported by drag artists and the LGBT community around the world in short order. In case you missed it, she wants massive fines and even jail for being merely making merely offensive remarks or protests. Now, you probably didn't notice it, but I, I just called her a she instead of they, them. So I, I just broke her proposed law right there. I misgendered her. That's offensive to her. It's pretty clear that she is offended all the time. You could say she's offended for a living, but there is no human right not to be offended. That's a counterfeit human right, which now takes precedence over real human rights like freedom of speech and freedom of thought. Canada's great history of civil liberties is coming to an end. Here's another example from just a few weeks ago. This is Jody Gondek, the mayor of Calgary, Canada's fourth largest city, announcing the same sort of thing that anyone who says something she finds hateful or vitriolic or lying should be arrested and fined. We had a drag brunch at the rec room in the north of Calgary by our community of drag queens in Calgary who have done amazing work promoting inclusion and really raising awareness of how important it is to be a welcoming community. Unfortunately, some members of our population thought it would be a good idea to protest this event, which is, I'm just going to use my opinion, a horrible thing to do. I was very happy that CPS was there to provide a buffer and to ensure that everyone was safe and that the show could go on. My question is, do we have the ability, when a protest is rooted in hatred, to ticket people and shut this down? How does it work? Some might say the mayor was hateful and vitriolic and telling lies. Uh, those are not crimes, by the way. That mayor publicly demanded that police arrest a pastor named Derek Reimer because she found him offensive. So they arrested Derek Reimer and jailed him for being offensive. Maybe that's why the cops were so weird about it. There are a lot of arrests of peaceful political critics in Canada these days. Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky was jailed for a month and a half for keeping his church open during the lockdowns. Justin Trudeau invoked martial law and had peaceful trucker protesters arrested and jailed for the sin of embarrassing him on the world stage. He also seized the bank accounts of hundreds of other peaceful critics of his regime. In his defense, he did try to warn us about his beliefs even before he was elected. There's a level of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China. Um, 
because their you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime. When a politician says he admires communist China precisely because of its basic dictatorship, we should believe him. Uh, when Fidel Castro of Cuba died, Trudeau wrote a eulogy like a, fun, like a son might write about a father. I mean, it really is insane. Let me quote some of it. It is with deep sorrow that I learned today of the death of Cuba's longest serving president, <laughs> as if Castro were elected and again and again. Fidel Castro was a larger than life leader who served his people for almost half a century, a legendary revolutionary and orator. Mr. Castro made significant improvements to the education and healthcare of his island nation. Cuban healthcare is, is terrible, but that's like saying, well, Mussolini made the trains run on time. While a controversial figure, both Mr. Castro's supporters and detractors recognized his tremendous dedication and love for the Cuban people who had a deep and lasting affection for El Comandante. Is that what his detractors say from, from their prison cells, the political prisoners, that he was just a lovable old dictator who really had their best interests at heart when he jailed them? So gross. But here's the thing. Arresting peaceful protesters, deploying not riot police to stomp on your critics, seizing bank accounts, it looks awful. It's messy. It so obviously is a political move designed to stifle political dissent. But if you're going to silence someone, the way to do it in 2023 is much different from how Castro did it a generation ago. And Trudeau knows that. And while his allies, as I showed you, are having noisy press conferences where they absolutely make it clear that they're all about silencing their political enemies, Trudeau is generally smarter than that. You see, the truly modern authoritarian uses the internet, not the police, to censor people wherever possible. When you take over the internet, there are no shocking TV images of cops beating up your opponents. It's all done online. There's really nothing to see. And that's what I want to warn the world about today. That's the message that everyone who loves or even just likes Canada needs to know. Justin Trudeau has embarked on a massive legislative program to censor the internet. He's doing it in four stages, the first of which is about to become law within weeks. Trudeau has four laws set up like dominoes. The first leads to the second, which leads to the third, and so on. He's doing it in stages. If he were to do it all at once, I, I think people might panic and rise up, but he's doing it incrementally. The first domino will fall in weeks, maybe even days. Later this month, uh, Trudeau's majority in the Senate will approve Bill C-11, which amends the Broadcasting Act. In a way, this is the most important stage, the first domino, because until now, the federal government in Canada has not been able to regulate what's on the internet. Until now, only regular television and radio have been regulated by Trudeau and his hand-picked censors at the CRTC. That's the Canadian Radio Television and Telecommunications Commission. It even sounds archaic, doesn't it? What's a radio television, by the way? Is that like a moving picture or something? Anyways, that dinosaur regulator, which has been an utter failure and has driven so much talent out of Canada, they will now control the internet by declaring that social media companies are now broadcasters and can be regulated like TV stations. This enactment amends the Broadcasting Act to, among other things, add online undertakings, undertakings for the transmission or retransmission of programs over the internet, 
as a distinct class of broadcasting undertakings. See, in the past, the government could only bully radio and TV stations into silencing voices the government didn't like. About 20 years ago, the liberal government refused to renew the license of a politically incorrect radio station in Quebec called Schwa-FM, effectively killing it. It was only saved when 50,000 listeners marched in the streets of Quebec City and another 5,000 went all the way to Ottawa to protest this censorship outside Parliament. Now, the government finally relented. I want to show you a news clip from that Parliament Hill protest. Look at this. His refusal to renew the license of a Quebec City radio station. A casual glance would tell you it's a rock concert, but another look reveals a rally for choice, or in this case, schwa. They love the free speech, and they want to tell the, the governors, we like schwa, we love schwa, we want schwa, and we will have schwa. It's doubtful that so many people have ever traveled such a distance to voice their support for a radio station. But for much of this crowd here on the Hill today, the real issue is free speech. And as many as 10,000 of them have gathered here to demand loudly that the federal government restore Schwa FM's right to be on the air, and by extension, the rights of Canadians everywhere to hear whatever they wish. We broadcast what they want, and the, the case is, is the CRTC and five people put there by the gouvernement libéral could determine what are the limits to freedom of speech we don't believe. Amid the shouts of Liberté, shock jock Jeff Filion, accused by the CRTC of making disparaging remarks about the mentally ill. They don't listen people, they have to listen people, they have to, to make uh, law and uh, rules for people, and they are forgetting that, that's bad. I think you would have to be a Quebecer listening to it because of the way we talk to each other and the way everybody talks on other radio stations. If Schwa FM's appeal to Paul Martin fails, it will pursue an appeal in federal court, but in all likelihood the station will still be off the air by August the 31st. That is Quebec City's loss, certainly according to these fans, but there are controversial radio broadcasters right here in Ottawa who say they also feel the chill. The fact of the matter is that more and more radio stations are going to fuzzy stuff, they're going to lifestyle stuff. They are afraid to deal with the real issues of the day because you get hung strung, put in bed, and the skin of your collective butts pulled over your head. That's incredible. And it was incredible to see other media support Schwa FM. But these days, the mainstream media takes the lead in censoring and canceling voices they don't like. So that's the main threat of C11. It declares that Facebook and Google and YouTube and Twitter, Netflix and the rest of them are broadcasters and they have to do what the government says or they'll be punished like Schwa FM was. You can see the outlines of what Trudeau plans to do with his new powers. Look at section 9.1 called conditions, as in Trudeau can now put conditions on these internet companies if they're going to operate here. Let me read. The commission may, in furtherance of its objects, make orders imposing conditions on the carrying on of broadcasting undertakings that the commission considers appropriate for the implementation of broadcasting policy set out in subsection 3.1, including conditions respecting, and then there's a long list of things. If I were Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk, I might object to a few of these conditions, like this one. The provision to the commission by persons carrying on broadcasting undertakings of any other information the con commission considers necessary for the administration of this act, including financial or commercial information, information related to programming, information related to expenditures, uh, information 
related to audience measurement other than information that would identify any individual audience member. So now social media companies, including Elon Musk's privately held Twitter, may have to answer any private business question put to them by Trudeau. There are 16 items in this list of conditions, but here's the one that really worries me from a censorship point of view. It's subsection E. Trudeau can make orders regarding, quote, the presentation of programs and programming services for selection by the public, including the showcasing and discoverability of Canadian programs and programming services. So Trudeau can order Twitter or Facebook or Google or YouTube to alter the algorithm, to interfere with what you can find. Trudeau can force social media companies to showcase whatever content he wants and to alter the discoverability of it. So he can boost his friends and have these companies hide his enemies. I, I wonder what he'll do to Rebel News. The reality is organizations organizations like yours, yours that continue to spread misinformation and disinformation, I won't call it a media organization, your group of individuals uh, need to take accountability, accountability polarization that we're seeing in this country. And it's disappointing to see the conservatives engage in peddling, engage in peddling rebel, media, rebel media, conspiracy theories. Yeah, he really, really can't stand rebel news. And I think Canadians uh, are cluing into the fact that uh, there is a really important decision we take about the kind of country we want to see. And I salute all extraordinary hardworking journalists that put science and facts at the heart of what they do and ask me tough questions every day, uh, but make sure that they are educating and informing Canadians from a broad range of perspectives, which is the last thing that you guys do. See, that's the thing. Trudeau is smarter generally than those two transgender activists I showed you earlier. They rage at their opponents. It's so clear they're motivated by ideological hatred for their opponents and for the idea that anyone could even be allowed to oppose them. But Trudeau uses vague language and made up ideas like misinformation and disinformation, which is basically what he calls anyone he dislikes. And Trudeau spends tens of millions of dollars on activists who denounce his enemies as misinformation and disinformation. Now, despite his occasional relapses, where he rages against Rebel News, Trudeau usually stays calm on this file. He, he's going to delegate the actual censorship to his hand-picked CRTC regulators, and they're going to order social media companies to do the actual dirty work for him. And so how would the public even know? If they type in trucker convoy or drag queen story hour into the search engine and the first 50 results are CBC stories, how many Canadians would even know it was the result of a government order affecting the discoverability algorithm. Trudeau's regulators can simply order social media companies to make it impossible to find rebel news or other online critics. It's brilliant in a way. Trudeau doesn't even have to actually order us shut down. He doesn't have to silence us. He can just make it so no one can find us. No one can hear us. And they don't even know they're being kept away from us. That's C11. It's terrifying on its own because it's the gateway it effectively nationalizes social media. Now it's all under Trudeau's control, 16 items. So it's not just C11, it's what comes after C11 that's terrifying. Because once Trudeau has the power to regulate the internet, only then will he reveal what he's really going to do with it. And as we saw during the trucker convoy, he will suspend civil liberties if it suits him politically. 
So C-11 is just step one. But Trudeau already has another bill in Parliament called C-18, or the Online News Act. And just like C-11 makes social media companies broadcasters for Trudeau to regulate, C-18 creates a, a new thing called digital intermediaries. Here's how that's defined in C-18. Digital news intermediary means an online communications platform, including a search engine or social media service, that is subject to the legislative authority of parliament and that makes news content produced by news outlets available to persons in Canada. So that's a fancy way of saying any sort of search engine and social media platform that uh, every social media platform has search engines, by the way. So it's not just explicit search engines like Google, but YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, etc. Um, I mean, just type it in. If, if you go to Google right now and you type in Trudeau blackface or carbon tax or whatever, uh, the list of what shows up is what's regulated. It returns with a list of links for news stories, right? Just the headline, maybe the first sentence, and a link to click if you want to see more. Now, as you know, that's how the internet works. Things link to other things for free. No one has to pay for a link. No one gets paid for a link. People generally love getting linked to since it sends traffic to what you're doing and saying. If a bunch of people post a story to Facebook about a Rebel News item, we like it because they click the link and come to our website, and that's good for us. In fact, many news companies pay to promote themselves on search engines. Sometimes you see little ads show up in the search rankings marked as ads. So obviously if newspapers are advertising on Facebook or Google, it's because they see value in it. But what C18 does is it forces search engines and social media companies to pay any news organization that they would link to. They're literally going to be compelled to pay those companies to link to them. Here's how liberal MP Lisa Hefner put it. She said, I will always support quality, fact-based, and local Canadian journalism in a fair digital marketplace. This bill makes it harder for big digital platforms like Facebook and Google to steal local journalist articles and repost them without credit on one of their networks. Without credit. It's a link to them. Listen, I'm no fan of Facebook or Google, but linking, you're linking to a story. You're not stealing the story. You're just putting the headline up and, and you're sending traffic to the story. What that liberal MP just did was disinformation, wasn't it? But look at her language. The government will support quality, fact-based journalism. Well, what does that mean? Well, again, it means only journalism that Trudeau likes will be subsidized. It's right there in the law. Let me quote. Eligible businesses designation at the request of a news business. The commission must, by order, designate the business as eligible if it, A, is a qualified Canadian journalism organization as defined in subsection 248.1 of the Income Tax Act. Okay, that qualified Canadian journalism organization designation is really a Canadian news license. If you have it, it means Trudeau trusts you. If you don't have it, he demonizes you as misinformation. Rebel News applied for that QCJO status, and the government reviewed hundreds of Rebel News stories and bizarrely declared that what we do is not news. <laughs> what? It's called rebel news. We're not, we're not about sports or, or weather or, or cooking. They literally said more than 99% of what we do isn't newsy. Now, that's bizarre, and we're legally appealing that decision, but it's pretty obvious why we were denied, but hard left-wing media groups like the Tides Foundation-backed 
National Observer get the designation because they're in step with Trudeau's regime. So C11 commandeers the internet, lets Trudeau manipulate the algorithm, lets him regulate the internet. C18 makes Facebook and Google and other search engines and social media companies pay money to journalists in Canada, but only to the journalists that Trudeau approves, not the ones he doesn't like. That's handy, isn't it? Um, by the way, Facebook has said that if they're forced to pay hundreds of millions of dollars to link to Trudeau's favorite journalists, Facebook just won't link to Trudeau's favorite journalists. They say news is not a moneymaker for them. I believe it. And if Trudeau really thinks it's stealing to link to the Globe and Mail or whoever, then Facebook will stop doing it. Google is considering doing the same. And Trudeau calls that blocking news sites. Got it. So if you link to a news site, you're stealing. If you don't link to them, you're blocking them. The only solution is to give hundreds of millions of dollars to Trudeau's hand-picked cronies, I guess. Um, not to Rebel News. We don't have the government news license. So that's C-18. It's Trudeau's second censorship bill. C-36 is the third one. It was actually introduced in the last parliament, but it didn't get passed into law before the election was called. Trudeau has said they'll reintroduce it. It's terrifying because it doesn't just deal with money and algorithms and big companies anymore. It gets right into what you can say or can't say. And it has jail terms and huge fines if you don't say the things Trudeau likes. It is targeting individual users. Let me read to you the formal name of C-36 and you'll get the picture. An act to amend the Criminal Code and the Canadian Human Rights Act and to make related amendments to another act, hate propaganda, hate crimes, and hate speech. <laughs> yeah, Trudeau calls people haters all the time. Islamophobes, transphobes, racists, whatever. He usually just means those as insults, but now he means them as crimes. So if you oppose him, he'll call you names and charge you with crimes. If you don't believe me, read the bill just to start. Hate propaganda is already in our criminal code. I should just remind you. Section 318 of our criminal code already makes it a crime to advocate for genocide. Section 319 makes it a crime already to incite hatred. But C-36 goes much further. It's a pretty short law, but it tries to criminalize feelings, including hate, which is human feeling. They, they define it. They say hatred means the emotion that involves detestation or vilification and that is stronger than dislike or disdain. They're, they're passing emotion laws now. It's totalitarian to pass laws telling people what emotions they can feel or what they can think. You can't tell someone to simply turn off being upset. Try doing that with your wife or husband if you're arguing with them. Oh, just stop being upset. Try to order them not to feel bad. They'll feel worse because you're not listening to them. Hatred often comes from a sense of an underlying grievance. If you don't deal with that underlying problem in some way, you can ban hurt feelings all you like, but it, it won't work. In fact, you'll probably make people more hateful. So Trudeau has defined the feelings you're not allowed to have, and now they're going to ban those feelings. You see, they've decided to regulate the internet. They've got their bureaucrats in the CRTC uh, regulating the internet through C11. They're getting the big tech companies through C-18, but C-36 is where they really come for you, and I mean you. Let me read. Communication of hate speech, section 13. It is a discriminatory practice to communicate or cause to be communicated hate speech by means of the internet or other means of telecommunication in a context in which the hate speech is likely to foment 
foment detestation or vilification of an individual or group of individuals on the basis of a prohibited ground of discrimination. So it's a future tense crime. Who knows if something will foment hate? I'm pretty sure that these activists are going to say everything could foment hate. These people are professionally offended all the time. It's their job and their hobby and their sense of identity. For the purpose of subsection one, a person who communicates or causes to be communicated hate speech continues to do so for as long as the hate speech remains public and the person can remove it or block access to it. That's in the law. That means if you tweeted or Facebook something years ago, even when you were a kid, you are still guilty of that hate crime today. There's no statute of limitations. You know, in real courts, there's the idea of being able to confront your accuser to look them in the eye and challenge them. Not in this kangaroo court. Trudeau is literally setting up a secret court. Complaints about hate speech can be made in secret. And these secret complainants can get up to 20 grand for their complaints. It's a new industry. They're paying people to be upset. Let me read this. Non-disclosure of identity commission. The commission may deal with a complaint in relation to a discriminatory practice described in section 13 without disclosing to the person against whom the complaint was filed or to any other person the identity of the alleged victim, the individual or group of individuals who has filed the complaint or any individual who has given evidence or assisted the commission in any way in dealing with the complaint if the commission considers that there is a real and substantial risk that any of those individuals will be subjected to threats, intimidation, or discrimination. So we got secret courts, secret witnesses, Secret complaints. It could be a rival. It could be an ex. It could be a disgruntled former employee. It could be a political prankster. It could be a business. You can be sued forever, endlessly, and you will never know by whom. And they get 20 grand a pop. You can be ordered to pay huge fines and ordered to pay compensation of not more than $20,000 to any victim personally identified in the communication that constituted the discriminatory practice. But there's something in here even more amazing the concept of pre-crimes. You know, like that Tom Cruise movie, Minority Report? Even if you haven't done anything yet, you can still be prosecuted. I'm not kidding. Let me read. Fear of hate propaganda offense or hate crime. Section 810.0121a, a person may, with the Attorney General's consent, lay in information before a provincial court judge if the person fears on reasonable grounds that another person will commit an offense under section 318 or subsection 319, those are the feelings crimes, an offense under subsection 430, that's, that's mischief under the criminal code, or an offense motivated by bias, prejudice, or hate based on race, national or ethnic origin, language, color, religion, sex, age, mental or physical disability, sexual orientation, gender identity, or expression, or any other similar factor. So even if someone hasn't broken the law yet, hasn't done anything bad yet, but you think they might do something mean about your gender identity, you can go to court and hit them first. And if a judge says your fear is reasonable, he could lock up the person you're afraid of, even if that person hasn't done anything to you, won't do anything, will never do anything. You can still get an order issued against them. Gee, do you think this just might be abused? getting your opponents locked up before they even say anything. This law, that's 
then put you under house arrest, have a curfew, have any firearms you have seized, put an ankle bl bracelet on you to monitor you, ban you from drugs or alcohol, things that normally only happen to convicted criminals who actually did something wrong, not to pre-crimes for thought crimes. So first there was C-11 that let the government regulate the internet. Then there was C-18 that commandeered the big tech companies and the search engines. And now there's C-36, but they saved the worst for last. The Online Harms Act is the fourth bill. It hasn't been introduced yet in Parliament or given a number. So C-11 uses a slow and dumb bureaucracy called the CRTC. C-18, same thing, C-36 includes huge fines and jail time, but at least involves some judges. But none of those are tough enough or peanut enough for Trudeau. He really wants to censor the internet. So his final bill out of the four creates a new internet censorship office with the Orwellian name, you're not even going to believe this, the Digital Safety Commissioner of Canada. Hey, are you being safe online? Let me read a line or two about this Digital Safety Commission. This is from the government's own website. The act should provide for the establishment of the Digital Safety Commissioner, whose functions are to, and there's a list here, oversee and improve online content moderation by administering and enforcing obligations, engaging with and considering the particular needs of and barriers faced by groups disproportionately affected by harmful online content, such as women and girls, indigenous peoples, members of racialized communities and religious minorities and of LGBTQ2 and gender diverse communities and persons with disability, and supporting platforms in reducing harmful content affecting peoples in Canada, engage in partnerships, education, outreach activities, and research to help fulfill the policy objectives of the act. So you've got an ultimate, unaccountable hunter-killer to silence anything harmful. And by harmful, they mean whatever this censor doesn't like. Include They just love talking about gender equity, don't they, and gender diversity. So um, the cabinet minister who introduced this idea, his name was Stephen Gilbeau, and he gives an example of how this could be used. Here, listen to him. Earlier, I think that Canada has a world-renowned public service, and it's in integral that we don't um, attack them to try and score political points. Everybody in, in this country, and especially elected officials, have, I think, a responsibility, a, a duty to ensure that, that, that we protect our, our our institutions and that the last thing we should try and do is 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 to, to, to somehow diminish them just just in the hope that we could we could score points. We've seen too many examples of public officials retreating from public service due to the hateful online content targeted towards themselves or even their families. I have seen firsthand alongside other Canadians the damaging effects, harmful content has on our families, our values, and our institutions. His first example is you can't criticize politicians. He just comes out and says it. And what powers should this tyrant have? Well, he can literally delete or block any website he likes. Trudeau's cabinet minister actually called it the nuclear option. Could we envision having blocking orders? I mean, that's... That, maybe... Um, it's not, uh, you know, it's a, it, it would be, it would likely be a, a last result, last result 
uh, nuclear bomb in in a in a toolbox of uh, of mechanism for for regulating. Oh my God! Trudeau proposes extreme ideas like website takedowns within 24 hours. No time for any sort of real hearing. If Trudeau or his team don't like something, they'll just order a social media company to take it down within 24 hours, and it must come down within 24 hours. I've just got to read to you from some of the social media companies' letters to Trudeau worried about this. These were released in an access to information request. I want to show you a letter from Twitter. Now, let me emphasize, this is from Twitter before Elon Musk bought it. So this is when Twitter was pretty pro-censorship itself, I have to say. Twitter wrote a private memo to Trudeau warning that this idea was literally the stuff that North Korea does. They actually made that comparison. Here, I'm going to read just a little bit from their letter. Issue, 24-hour takedown requirements. Twitter opposes the recommendation of a time limit on addressing any content flagged by any person in Canada as harmful content. The proposed time limit does not allow for judicious, thoughtful analysis in a manner that balances the right to freedom of expression in Canada with the right to freedom from discrimination and prejudice. According to existing research and analysis, the proposed system has a high probability of negatively impacting marginalized, racialized, and intersectional groups. More information from Professor Susie Dunn at Dalhousie University can be found here. The 24-hour proposal should be abandoned. Content should be addressed as quickly as possible and within the scope of existing Canadian jurisprudence, terms of service, and rules by the online communication service providers. Further, any standard applied in the digital world should also be applied in real life. For example, law enforcement should be required to both launch an investigation within 24 hours of flagging, as well as remove any hateful content, graffiti on a statue, for example, that appears within 24 hours across the country. She's just pointing out how insane, how insane the idea is. And here's Twitter comparing Trudeau's proposal to China and North Korea. Issue, website blocking. The proposal by the government of Canada to allow the Digital Safety Commissioner to block websites is drastic. People around the world have been blocked from accessing Twitter and other services in a similar manner as the one proposed by Canada by multiple authoritarian governments, China, North Korea, and Iran, for example, under the false guise of online safety, impeding people's rights to access information online. Now, look, my video is already too long. Frankly, it could be double this size. There's so much to show you. But hopefully you see the scope and scale of the problem we have in Canada. Four censorship bills. That's more than Trudeau has about inflation or the war in Ukraine or anything else. He's obsessed with censorship. And they're like dominoes, C-11, then C-18, then C-36, then the Online Harms Act, each one building on the censorship of the one before him each one building a censorship regime whose only comparison in the world is places like North Korea and Iran. Trudeau has the support of the NDP. So these simply will become the law. And it's not like any of the mainstream media are actively opposing this. The opposite. They're really excited about Trudeau forcing big tech to pay the money for linking to them. The media have been bought off again. Canada's in trouble, our free speech is in trouble, and the watchdogs who are supposed to be on guard are all sleeping. I promise that we here at Rebel News will do what we can, and I see that as doing three things. First of all, keeping you up to date on the state of censorship in Canada. So just reporting the facts. Say, have you heard about any of this on the CBC or the Toronto Star? 
<laughs> yeah, I didn't think so. Second of all, making the arguments for why this is morally wrong, legally wrong, impractical, and downright un-Canadian. So we'll give you the facts, and then we'll give you the arguments. But the third thing is what Rebel News does best sometimes, actually stepping in and fighting the good fight. All week I've been speaking with constitutional lawyers about how to fight this censorship onslaught in court. Because if we don't do it, who will? I have commissioned an expert litigation law firm to prepare to fight these bills in court. In fact, we're already working on the lawsuit. We're not even waiting for the bills to be officially proclaimed. We're working on it now. We already know how bad they're going to be. We will sue Trudeau in court and hold him to the Charter of Rights. I know it's an uphill battle. We will be outspent 10 to 1. They will have a swarm of lawyers there to fight against us. But I know we can win because we beat him twice before on censorship fights. In 2019, he banned us from attending the election debates. We went to federal court and we won. He tried again in 2021. He banned us again. And when we sued him, he literally had seven government lawyers against us. But we won again. Twice we beat Trudeau on free speech against long odds. Maybe there's some hope left. If you want to help us, please go to stopthecensorship.ca. I think this is the battle of 2023. What the trucker convoy was in 2022, the internet freedom battle is this year. Help us if you can. Learn the facts, learn the arguments, and then help us take this Castro mini-me to court. Thanks for your help. Hey, welcome back. You know, I'm, I'm still working on my anti-censorship battle. There's so many parts to it. And I haven't even talked about fighting the city censorship and the province level censorship. And then there's big tech censorship on its own. Really, I think censorship is the issue of our age. One of the reasons why censorship is so important for Trudeau is because it was social media and citizen journalism that told the truth about the truckers. All the media party was in lockstep. I mean, you can count on one hand's fingers, Rupert Subramania, and I think I'm done with the entire list of journalists in mainstream media outlets who were open-minded towards the truckers. The people who told the trucker story were the citizen journalists, primarily, if I may say so, rebel news journalists. At one point, I remember one day, we had 17 different journalists covering the convoy and the truckers across the country. This was when everywhere from Windsor to Ottawa to... Coots, Alberta, even in Vancouver, I remember. So that's why Trudeau's obsessed with censoring the internet. Because the internet is where all the interesting stuff is gone. Now that the regime media is so bland and homogenous and just parroting government talking points. Trudeau has four ways he's coming to get us and you. I want to work on this a little bit more. This is sort of my first attempt to put it all in one pot. It's about a half hour monologue. I hope you didn't find it too complicated or too... Um, detailed, but I want to prove to you that we have a problem and I want to go to court to fix it. That's the show for today. We'll be back tomorrow with a special Easter Friday edition. Until then, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters to you at home, good night, happy Passover to those who follow it, and keep fighting for freedom. <laughs>